Seal. Brett Main Seal. And we're straight in. I We've got the gang all here tonight. Thanks, everybody, for watching the Angry Nation podcast. Emery's finally back in the house. Um, are you feeling better, Emery? No. Look at him all <laughs> strong and fit. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And I got- apologize for everybody for missing, like, you know, eight years, but uh, such is life. Yeah, you know, he had that bad um, – he had that really bad um, drone accident and hurt his back in it. And uh, <laughs> he had <laughs> you know, a couple weeks off. It's funny because of it's true. <laughs> and of course, we've got the illustrious, we've got the illustrious Sularu and Bob T. Tombs of Mountain Readiness. So, and of course, Sue's now officially only with Tactical Rifleman. So, and then we've got the awesome Billy on board tonight, man. How the hell are you doing, brother? Good. I'm glad to be with all you guys tonight. It's uh, I haven't seen this many white people in one space since the last <laughs> Brady convention, but uh, <laughs> glad to be with y'all. <laughs> oh my God! Did we make it We're glad you're here. No, no. No, Hey guys, uh, you can follow Billy at uh, permapasturesfarm.com and some other good places. Because Billy is the man about learning to grow your own food, which that is what real preparedness is about. Because you can store all the food you want. But if you stored 365 days worth of food, you got to be thinking about what you're going to eat on day 366. So this evening, if you guys have questions directly for Billy about permaculture, growing groceries, or anything like that. What are we using? I saw this and I then forgot. It's going to be hashtag permapastures. There it is. Thank you. So that that's the hashtag tonight for questions for Billy, and we'll get to those in a little while. So back to Emery's drone accident. Surfing on oh, drones. No, no shit. There I was, right? Flying through the trees. Well, um, we did lose a yeah, we no, did lose a Reaper today over uh, the Houthis shot down a, a Reaper today over the med. You know, if we had different leadership i would say that's a good thing because it kind of kicks off something that should be happening over there but it's not going to happen or to shoulda yeah yeah for yep. sure yeah so but tonight we're gonna talk about groceries and billy started that off in the pre-show getting highly hungry talking about garbage burritos <laughs> how the hell you grow those billy <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about garbage burritos, but I'll tell you what we're really good at. And that's, um, you know, and it's, I don't know that I discovered it or invented it or whatever, but as a permaculture designer, we basically, um, we show everybody how you can grow all of your food basically with little cost or nothing at all. For example, we raise all of our egg layers for free. We raise all of our meat birds for free. We raise our sheep cows for free. The only thing we are, not necessarily in the black on would be our pigs. And we raised those for 21 cents a pound using the, using a lot of good, awesome permaculture methods, but particularly using waste streams from other places that would normally throw this stuff in the, in the garbage. So, and then, you know, we take the byproduct of all the things that we can't eat and it basically goes back to the animals. So it's a, um, it's a really cool loop and you know, it can be as complicated or as easy as you want, but um, yeah, that's exactly what we do. Yeah. Cause feed, feed for livestock's the big one. If you're running livestock, you got to be able to feed those animals. And that's the big hang up for large livestock. Obviously, you know, most people don't have enough grass anywhere in the country to feed cows year round. Um, but figuring out a way to close that, that circle, that loop, like you said, you know, so the, all well, the, product you can be put to use well you can start with like the most gateway of all animals which most people would say chickens right so if you go out there and you mm-hmm. buy your feed right off the shelf you're not one dime ahead if you're producing your own eggs now you do have the peace of mind of knowing okay well i know what they were fed i know where they were i know all these things same thing when it comes to your meat birds so if you're raising let's say cornish crosses or anything else 
I'm not a big fan of those birds for a whole list of reasons if you want to know about that. But the point being is that if you're using off-the-shelf feed, you're not money ahead in any way, shape, or form. So that's why we took we brought to bear methods from people like Joel Salatin, people like uh, Sean and Beth Doherty, and found intermediate points where there might have been holes in their games and basically came up with a way of using all these different means to come up with a way where we use methods like for raising chickens called the chicken tractor on steroids. Uh, to really learn this method, we sent our son to Australia to learn under the very best in the world, and that being Jeff Lawton in uh, Zaytuna Farm in Australia. Basically came back with that knowledge, dropped it off here, and then we advanced it to the point where it requires even fewer inputs than the one he had, most of which are pretty doggone available at most places. So the beauty about these systems is that if you just now, there is a double-edged sword here because if you're buying it off the shelf, well, it requires less out of you. But if you're doing it the way I'm talking about, well, it's going to require more elbow. It requires more out of you, essentially. So there is a zero-sum game regarding all this stuff. So, yeah, we can absolutely feed all of our animals for free. All six freezers out there are plumb full with animals that we raise for free or that we've harvested, you know, I mean, whether it be deer or anything else. But right now, I can't stick another critter in there. So, it and these methods are so good, they work so well that just this last year alone, I had to give away three pigs. Now, I, I showed them how to process them. You know, I just don't give it away. You're going to come out here and put in some work. So, we showed them how to butcher these pigs from start to finish, and we gave all that away. All of the meat birds, we had to give that away. And we're we, right now, we got five people, five adults under this roof, and we still got to give away. That's how much abundance you can have just bringing the right dog to the hunt. How many, how many acres are you doing that on? Well, um, in this particular place, it's on. Well, we got land all over, but in this particular place, we'll call it about 12. Um, but it's it's not even so much. It's not so much the land you own. It's the land you control. So using things like Greg Judy's methods where I can I can lease out a place for next to nothing. Absolutely next to nothing. And I don't have the tax burden. I don't have any of those things, but I control it because I can put it on the lease for 10 years. So I put in the perimeter fence, put in all the other infrastructure that might be needed. Now I control that land for pennies on the acre, really, when you get down to brass tack. So it's not so much how much land you have, at least from my perspective, it's how much land you control. So, uh, yeah, we own land in, you know, here and a bunch of other undisclosed places. But point being is that at this particular place, we're showing that even on what some people would consider small acreage, let's say 12 acres, that we're producing so much abundance that we got to give it away. Food forest, tactical, uh, well, what I call tactical food forest, the way we do it. And uh, we can get more into that if you like. But, yeah, th you don't need much land if you can stack functions. And that's really the key to doing all this. Oh, thank you. Sorry, the bartender showed up. So, there you go. so then do you um, grow? T, did you ever Hold on, Chris. Billy, do you, do you grow plants that supplement that where, right? I mean, so it's not just an animal deal. You've got the whole picture going on, correct? Great, great question. Um, the way it works is we don't see anything in a vacuum. Everything interacts with everything else. For example, you take your regular typical forest. A lot of people don't talk about this, but there are seven layers of a forest. I would argue that there are actually eight. You got an overstory, you got an understory, you got a shrub layer, you got a ground cover, you got vines, you got the herbaceous layer, and you have the roots. And I would add one more, and that would be the mycelial layer or mushrooms, as everybody understands it. So eight layers, if you see a healthy forest out there, I guarantee you will find all seven layers, and I dare say eight. But now I could sit, I could run an orchard exclusively, or I could do, okay, so let's just say I had an orchard. Okay, well, I get a fruit crop out of that. Maybe I get a nut crop out of that. Maybe a berry crop and all the things I just talked about. Well, we turn back around and take all seven or eight layers, and we make those edible layers. So that's number one. But we put enough space between one line to the next, as you can see with my hands here. In between those lines, we run our animals and we run them, we run them on contour, meaning that each layer of trees are pretty much perfectly level. So the animals, so let's say our ruminant animals and our chickens, they go through those lanes, they eat, they poop, it rains and pushes it down up against the trees that are downhill. We run them in and out of these systems. 
So whereas one, so a person may have, let's just say one. Okay. So let's just say you got a, a, a cow crop. Let's call it that. Well, using these methods on that same piece of ground, let's think about this. I can run my trees, which, you know, is providing protection. Also, a lot of those trees help feed these animals, particularly our nitrogen fixers. They, I mean, the symbiosis is something else. While the animals leave the poop, it goes down into the swales. It rains. It feeds everything. And then at the same time, we're recharging our aquifers because, I mean, and this is, this is pretty profound if you stop to think about it. Even though I'm doing high-intensity everything, high-intensity grazing, high-intensity orcharding, high-intensity everything, Here's what blows most people's minds. For every 1% of organic matter you can put down in that soil, it en enables you to capture the equivalent of an Olympic-sized swimming pool per acre down in your soil. So just that's just 1%. So if we go from, let's say, most denuded lands in the United States of amnesia are less than 1%. So if you can go to a place like mine where it's considerably higher for every bit of rainfall that's coming down there, not only am I storing that, water in the soil. It's now going down to feed my aquifers, feed my animals. And then back to your question, Emery, where we're having trees that not only all the stuff that comes off, let's say an apple tree, I can't eat it all. So we throw it out there for the animals or it's already in the lane for them to eat. So this is exactly how you can bring the bear, how you can make, this is, this is what we're trying to evangelize and what YouTube seems determined to suppress us for is that it is not that difficult to teach we can literally run all on the same piece of land where most people would say oh i'm just going to run my cows or let's say it's my sheep well on the same piece of ground not only do we have all seven layers eight layers of a forest which is already it's called silvopasture that method is called silvopasture not only do we have all eight layers but we have let's say cows they go through first they eat the grass from up here to here then our sheep go in they eat it down a little bit more now you can run your chickens and ducks because they can't stand high grass anyway. And they're going through all the patties that the previous animals left behind, breaking up the parasite cycle and feeding themselves all at the same time. So we're running, I mean, five, six, you, it, it's really the sky's the limit. You could even run rabbits through there and rabbit tractors. I mean, it is amazing how easy it is to feed yourself and your neighbors if you just employ good technique. And I think that's where we're missing the boat in so many different ways, whether it be, you know, the dirt worshiping hip hippies on the uh, permaculture side, or it's the guy who's got this land from granddad where he's doing it the same way granddad did right after world war two. And prior to that, you know, things were a bit more holistic. So, um, yeah, we can basically take all this stuff. I'm not sure if I answered your question more directly, Emery, but I mean, it's, I don't know that I could give a myopic answer because it's it's really, really complex. We don't just do one thing. Everything has – there should be three functions for everything you grow. I mean everything at the very least, and that's what we shoot for. So, yeah, we have multiple layers of food, multiple redundancies, and let's – so we just don't grow apple orchards. Um, I don't know if you want – okay, another means of redundancy that we add to this in our tactical food force and stuff like that. Let's say I have a Cortland apple. Okay. Well, let's just say it grows really well there. Well, the next cultivar or cultivated variety that's going to be there, if it's of an apple, will not be the same. So even in our rows where I'm telling you we got all seven layers and these animals run through, we put we don't even put the next the same cultivar until five other cultivars later. So if there is ever any issue with a infestation, bug problem, well, unlike the orchards right here south of Asheville, where one disease or one event will wipe out the entire thing we have we have fruit trees berry you name it all the way up and down this thing all seven layers where they produce instead of just three months or one month out of the year we're getting a harvest nine months out of the year if you just use good wow. strategy and no not don't use the same variety so let's say you got a a gala apple uh, a honey crisp or my favorite apple of all time an Evercrisp. that may be in that first row so if you do have some catastrophic uh, frost, well, guess what? They don't all fruit at the same time. So that's exactly the beauty. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it, it sounds like a complex system, but it really isn't the way we do it. And we've taken, I like to think that we've created a pimp method, which stands for permaculture is my passion, as you can see on the sign behind <laughs> me. We, we basically created what I call a pimp method. And I'm working on the outline of a book called Tactical Permaculture where it deals with all these things, where we don't have one, two, 
five, 10, even 20 points of failure that will put you in the, in the, um, you know, in a bad place where everybody else in the United States of amnesia is going to be. Sorry about the long wind answer, but I'm not sure of a short way of describing this. No, it's great. That's, that's actually much more of an answer than I was looking for. Uh, but I got another one for you. So you teach people how to do this, right? That's the whole purpose. So let's give people, uh, you know, kind of a tip, right? In terms of, so in your opinion, uh, normal family, call it a family of four, right? Two parents, two kids, just to, to keep the example simple, right? And, and I understand this de depends on where in the country you are, that kind of thing. But what size of a piece of land do you think is appropriate as a starter on the minimum end, right? Trying to get to the bare minimum, call it in, in a region like this, right? The, the, the East Coast in terms of woodland and, and, you know, how hilly it is and all that. What's for the way you know how to work? That sounds like totally insanely awesome. What do all you right, think is a good? I'll give you a prime example. Um, not long ago, there was a guy in California um, in, believe it or not, the LA area on a third of an acre. He and his three kids produced somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 pounds, 6,000 pounds on a third of an acre. Which is unbelievable, but I think he's been doing that for years. Yes, yes. He just recently yeah, cashed he, in not yeah. long ago. But, yeah, but I think his kids are still doing it. So that is the best. That that is the best yeah. example I can offer. So let's just say it's John Q. Citizen right off the street. There's going to be a whole lot of variables, and and the the answer is generally it depends on a great many things. Honestly, the number one thing I'll, I'll try to answer your question in a different way, because we do a lot of consultations and particularly my son. And the number one thing that makes people, well, I'm going to list a couple of them here because we do these consultations. Everybody and their great grandmother is seeing what's going on in the world. And now all of a sudden they decided to wake up and they're going to start. They're going, they went Alan Jackson, they gone country, right? Well, <laughs> here's what we find is that they get out there. They either get a bunch of animals right off the bat instead of just mastering one and then moving on to the next. And now it's so convoluted. And when they get us in there, it's like already to the point where like, good night, these people are already ready to give up. And then the other thing is, and this is going to sound strange because most people are not going to know what I'm talking about, but I'll try to explain it. Number two reason is zoning. And what I mean by that is not putting things where they belong. For example, um, there's a guy, he was a doctor, believe it or not, down in Texas. And you couldn't tell him anything. He had more degrees than a thermometer, but didn't have any common sense. So he's taken, if you look at your home as zone zero and you have concentric rings around it, all the way up to zone five being wilderness. Well, you want to put your chickens pretty doggone close to zone one. You need to visit them every day. He put them in zone five and then was wondering why coyotes were killing everything. So that's another thing. So it all depends on a person's understanding. But as far as, let's say, a family of four, um, it depends. I mean, if I'm out there and it's with my understanding, it all depends on their understanding and their willingness to put things where they belong instead of where they feel like. And this is one of the things we run into, believe it or not, with a lot of folks where it's like, well, I feel like the garden should go over here. Well, I'm like, well, it's going to make you very inefficient. Why would you put it over there? It doesn't make sense to be there. You're not getting the right light. You're not doing whatever. So that's why personally I got out of the consultation business because I'm sick and tired of showing people the right way to do this stuff, laying it out, and then they don't take my advice and then blame me when they did it wrong. If you doubt me, I'll give you a prime example. Go to Food Network right now. Look at every recipe. I don't care what it is. Look at the critiques on all those recipes. And every single case, you'll see the people that give a negative review of that recipe, they were like, well, I didn't have butter, so I used margarine. I didn't have eggs, so I used this. When it's, and then they write, well, this recipe sucked. Well, you didn't do 50% of it. And that's part of the problem. Now, back to your point, there's so many variables. Honestly, I could feed four people with tons left over on an acre. And have, I mean, even a half acre, if you know how to stack things. And back to the previous question you asked, Amory, is if I know that, okay, if I'm on this half acre, let's just say it's a half acre, because I know that I could feed four people easily on a half acre if I know how to stack. If I can go out there, look in nature and recognize that there are eight layers. So instead of just growing that single fruit tree, why not put an entire guild around it? 
Name one rock band that has only an electric guitarist. Nope. They got a bassist. They got a drummer. They got a lead singer. Well, we view our trees exactly the same way. So instead of just planting this single tree, I'm going to put around it what I call a guild. So I'm going to make it. It's my combat multiplier. So I could, let's say it's an apple tree. Okay, so I get apples off it. So four feet from every tree, we add two blueberries. Okay, perfect. And then on opposite corners, we're going to put in two nitrogen-fixing uh, shrubs that are not only going to produce food, let's say a sea buckthorn or any numbers. Okay, so there, I got another harvest, okay, in the same footprint. Now, under each tree, I'm going to put rosemary, thyme, and oregano at the very least around every single tree. Not only is that, a, not is that only something I could cook with, but it's also medicine from where we stand. In addition to that, we're going to put comfrey, which is a dynamic accumulator. We're probably the number one or number two biggest producer of comfrey in the world right now. And that's we that's one of what we sell. Well, that comfrey is a dynamic accumulator. The only thing in nature, the only plant in nature that produces B12, um, high in protein, high of everything else. Not only is it a good, um, not only do we produce tons of it for our animals to eat, but we can also make medicinal teas for ourselves. So that's something else I'm going to plant around there. Well, it's my investment. This tree is my investment. So I'm going to protect it. We make a product called Bone Sauce, world's best deer repellent. So I'm going to paint that up and down there. But you know what? We don't just trust it to one thing. So around every single tree, we're going to put inner and outer rings of daffodils. Why? They're beautiful. They look awesome. But they're also repulsive to deer and voles. So we're going to put those around there, too. We're also going to put in garlic. Okay, medicinal and also tastes pretty doggone good. And it's also going to inhibit any of the um, ground predators. And in addition to that, we're going to add, just like I said, there's an entire seven layers of a forest. Well, there's an entire soil food web right under your feet. And most of us have no respect for it. So we're going to throw down tons of mulch. So basically, going back to your question, is that if you stack your functions right, this single apple tree right here, just and I, this is just off the top of my head, I can make it way more intense than that. And then going up that apple tree, by the way, it's going to be some, you know, current, some kind of uh, vining thing. It could be any number of things. So for the regular everyday person, they're going to think, oh, acre ain't nowhere near enough where you take me or somebody like me. And they're going to say, well, a quarter acre is probably more than enough. It just all depends on how you how you function, how you stack, how you employ these things and the respect. I mean, bottom line is, look, I've been doing this a long, long time and I find out Every single step I take toward nature, nature will take five steps right back to me. So all I got to do is make sure I'm doing it in accordance. That's why we leave zone five wilderness. So I can literally walk out there and say, okay, nature, what are you doing? Because I want to take it home and copy it. And that's exactly what we do. We didn't invent anything. All we're doing is just taking what we see in nature. And which also means that we don't have any inputs. I don't need any fertilizers. I don't need any of these things. These things work like the fingers of your hand. Everything works in this awesome symbiosis where each element supports every other element. And it's, it's just a beautiful means of redundancy, but it's also the way we see it in a healthy forest. So yeah, it all depends on really the skill of the person and how much they're willing to um, listen to um, any kind of advice coming from a permaculture designer or somebody who's been in this space for a while. Awesome. Answer your question. Not did you, yeah, not only did you answer, you gave me the exact answer I was I was hoping you would, <laughs> and that's perfect. Which is, you know, uh, this is this is not my field. Obviously, I mean, I've I've lived, raised animals, lived on ranches, Montana, Israel, all over the place, but can't do plants. Can't, not my thing. But I know what good people that know what they're doing can do on, like you said, quarter acre, half acre, and it's it's awesome. We just left. We came back. Okay, so for our education, for our family, we spent a lot of money on education. And I mean a lot of money. Um, instead of sending my son off to go get um, brainwashed in college, even though he had a full-ride scholarship, well, we sent him off to Australia. We sent him off to Joel Salatin. We sent him off to the Earthship Academy. So instead of him getting a degree in worthlessness, um, we essentially he essentially has a PhD in pimpology. So permaculture is his passion, but actually he's gone all throughout. I mean, he's gone. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you his understanding at 28 is uh, it's really astonishing because, OK, when you find out what this passion is and you put it, you pour it into him. Now he becomes our emissary. He goes out, goes, finds out this information, bring it back to the 
to Billy's Jungle Palace of Love. We put it to work here. Does it work here? How can we tweak it? How can we make it better? And um, yeah, so whether it's making compost, you name it, it really comes down to um, some really fundamental key things that are honestly, once you understand it, I know you say you don't have a green thumb, but if you were to follow the directions that I give on just planting a tree, everybody does it backwards. Um, you know, doing your garden, a lot of us do it backwards. How does nature do it? You know, everybody feels like they got to till this stuff up. Well, look, you don't have to work that hard. And we have all kinds of awesome methods, really good, awesome instructors all throughout this planet. And um, the information's out there, but it sure seems funny that, you know, at this time where I'm trying to evangelize this, evangelize this magnificent design science to the entire planet. Well, YouTube, like the video that we just had come out today is how to feed your animals for free. Well, you think some people right now with prices being what they are might be interested in that? Well, they are, but the powers that shouldn't be will never let this stuff see the light of day. So I'm thankful to have a platform or at least have this exposure with you guys. Maybe some people out there will get a little bit more understanding of it. And, um, you know, that's the biggest way to give the middle fingers to the powers that shouldn't be. Because there's nothing that says freedom more than deciding what I, what I will and what I won't put in my mouth and my body. So, so hang on a second. What, what exactly are you being blackballed for, for saying? Like, what's your, I mean, you're, you're, you're growing stuff. You're not like me, right? Sue and I, we get blackballed all the time in tactical riflemen because we talk gun stuff because we're, we're the evil guy. What's, uh, what, what excuse are they using with you? Yeah, I don't know. I'll put it this way. Our last three videos were basically demonetized and flagged. Um, bottom line is, is that I guess we go into this with, with, between our podcast and our YouTube channel, Patreon and stuff like that. Like you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it the way I feel like it is. And um, I think, look, I'm, I don't know how else to say this than to say it the way I'm going to say it. The last thing the system wants to see is a Christian American heterosexual pro-gun liberty minded person of color, black, blue, whatever. So I'm the worst enemy the system could desire because if my message gets out there, if they realize that I'm not a, I'm not, you know, Biden could sit here and throw his junk on the table and half these lunatic liberals in Nashville will go looking for steak sauce. When they realize that somebody like me ain't buying this stuff, that I'm not believing this BS. Well, they can't have that information out there because everybody's told that people that have my complexion should automatically be a Democrat or be a, be whatever it is. And I think the last thing they want is somebody who the reason, okay, prime example, we came up with pimp permaculture is my passion was a means to reach out to people that aren't your typical farmer. You know, um, prime example, there was a kid in DC, Washington, DC, because I called myself the permaculture pimp daddy. He thought it was funny. It was something he could relate to in the hood. And now all of a sudden he got himself extricated from DC into Virginia. And now he's farming because he saw a video where a, a Brown person like me was doing things that he didn't even know was possible because these morons in the public school systems that are, we call teachers are telling these kids, Oh, you'll never be a success unless you can go off to college, get a degree in worthlessness and do whatever else. Well, you know what? I make a pretty doggone good living and I work for me. And the last thing, back to your point, the last thing the powers that shouldn't be ever want to see is somebody like me, who is the product of two parents that were convicted felons, raised with five other brothers by a single grandmother, you know, th that was recently widowed. By every statistical measure, I should be scrubbing dishes and sing sing right now, but I'm not because I'm forgiven and I'm also a soldier of Christ. But the point being, the last thing the system ever wants to see ever wants to see is somebody like me that might just offer a little bit of hope to that kid that's been a lifeline on welfare. And it's curious that in that welfare system, just think about it a minute. Here's how insidious it is. They make it just comfortable enough. They can never want to escape it. Mm -hmm. And so when they see somebody like me who came from where I came from and they see this dude out here doing things that in their minds is might as well be magic. Well, they can't, they can't let everybody see that. And then they can't let everybody see that, hey, you know what? They're not these enclaves of a brown person, black person, blue person, brown person, you name whatever. Look, we're congregated here because honestly, we're, we're exchanging ideas. And the last thing they want to see is that. They want to see this polarization. And if they can keep, each, keep us at each other's throats, keep the message from somebody like me saying, hey, 
everything you're told, everything you know about this world is told to you by profligate, prostitute liars. So yeah. if my word gets out there, if they hear what yeah. I got to say, I think that's why I'm sorry, guys, I didn't mean to monologue so much, but I get I get fired up on this nonsense because wow. I'm trying to blow a hole in everything the, the system says that we ought to be. Well, Billy, that's why you're ashamed. Yeah, you nailed it. Part, yeah. part of that, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Part of it. You're, you're spot on in that, you know, the WEF, the Agenda 2030 stuff that everybody thought was was a hoax for so many years is real. And part of that is a reduction in farming, the the complete um, um, end of, of livestock as we know it today. Um, even the private ownership of property and homes. They want to move everybody to mega cities um, and you will eat Z bugs and you will be happy, you know. Um, and so that there is an actual movement towards that. And so it's crazy to hear someone like you who simply talks about food self-sufficiency, which that's the other thing they're terrified of. They don't need self-sufficient people in the world that they dream of, um, that you're being, you know, shadow banned and banned um, just by spreading that message is pretty incredible and a pretty profound statement, in my opinion, to the current situation. Well, I mean, homesteaders are the new criminals. You know, homesteaders are the new criminals. They're the new uh, the new target um, because it, it's uh, people getting back to their roots. You know, it's not just uh, any particular person per se. It's everyone. If you, if you stand for being self-sufficient, you are now that target. And I'm ready. Whenever that book comes out, Billy, let me know. Take my money. All right, because I, I want the first copy. I I buy it in advance. Um, I've been watching you for quite a while now, and uh, just the uh, the stuff you do on fruit trees. I mean, you break that down to a science. You're the first guy on there I've seen using microscopes. I was like, this guy's taking permaculture to a whole new level. Um, so I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you, everything that you stand for and uh, and keep standing for. I hate to hear that too on your channel, but it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense that that you would be targeted. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you stand for what the higher powers that be hate. And not only do they hate it, but they're scared of it. You know, yeah, you know, no, when you get in, and I'll, I'll, I'll caveat that too, Billy. Uh, I come from out West and everything. And I, I grew up around Indian reservations all my life. And I had a lot of growing, growing up in high school and junior high. I had a lot of friends who are native Americans. They're always complaining about the reservation and this system. And like you said, they make it just comfortable enough not to leave. And I look at these people and say, well, why don't you leave? Get out there on your own, you know, and whether it's inner cities or Indian reservations or uh, some of these some of these suburbs around these major cities, they want everybody living in there. They want them comfortable, but they want them to be dependent on a government program or somebody else who thinks they're smarter than everybody else in there. They don't want self-reliance. And that, I think that's why the four hosts that you see here got together and say, we're talking about self-reliant communities. So everything, everything you you're preaching here is exactly what we need to get out to our audience. And yeah, Emory and I are shadow banned on, on a lot of things. You're shadow banned, but we need to find other ways of getting the message out there. And it's, it's, it's really not that hard for people to be create self-reliant communities, you know? So I, I yeah. hope we can do it. I, thank you so much for that. I mean, you know, and being part native myself, um, I can definitely relate. But if you look at those reservations as a microcosm of where we are here in the United States of amnesia, think about it. We are really one giant reservation at this point. I mean, it's like uh, one of the one, one famous native. Um, I can't remember his name. He was in that movie, Last of the Mohicans. I can't remember his name, but he says, you know, America is really one giant res Indian reservation. We live in a prison with bars we can't see and with people that actually think they're free. I guess that rhymed. But here we are. Um, and I'll give you a prime example of it. When I show people, I actually do classes on this. It's, it's certain festivals where it is actually a class on the pitch you should make when you go to hit these places up, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a grocery store. I've refined this for years on the do's and don'ts as far as, let's say, approaching a restaurant to get their food that they're ordinarily going to throw in a dumpster. OK, you know what the number one response for most people is whenever I teach this class is. Well, it's not really legal where I come from. Well, Jimmy cracked corn and I don't care. Jimmy's probably smoking crack 
And I still don't care because at the end of the day, I don't obey unjust laws. If you tell me it's not cool for me to go out there and feed homeless or bums, whatever you choose to call them these days. When I was a kid, we called them bums. But anyway, we'll, we'll say they're homeless. But now that's a crime. And it's a crime for me to take food that would ordinarily go into a landfill that is perfectly fine for a human being to eat. But you're telling me I can't feed pigs, chickens, all my omnivores with it? No, I'm not going to play that game. But the number one problem, going back to this reservation um, thing that we're talking about, is the number one the number one knee jerk reaction to most people is that well I don't know if it's legal in here I'm look I'm I'm a free man I'm sure you guys see yourselves I'm not asking permission you send my mail to the county jail if what I'm doing is unjust then you think I'm raising hell now <laughs> throw me in jail for getting food from a dumpster or throw me throw throw me in jail Try for feeding to throw me in jail. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. But this goes that. right. That's the correct term. This is that reservation mentality that we have right now, where instead of saying, you know what, I'm a free person, I choose not. You're not going to tell me what I can eat. You ain't going to tell me what I can put in my body. You're not going to tell me, you're not going to tell me how to live any other way. There's certain things that I conform with to be socially, well, I won't get into that right now. But the point being is at the end of the day, we got to first recognize. The, um, the freedom that these founding fathers gave, as they say in the preamble to the Constitution, to ourselves and our posterity. Well, we are their posterity. And sadly, we've forgotten what they called the blessings of liberty. And here we are all over again. And in that very small minority, hopefully a very irate minority, um, that is not going not gonna to put up with this nonsense. Amen. I'll make one change to what you said. Said uh, Billy, and it's not that they gave us these rights. They acknowledged that we had these rights simply by our mere existence. Big difference. Anything given can be taken away. These these men back then recognized that we possess these rights because we exist on this planet. Full stop. The right to feed ourselves, the right to self defense, the right to live in pursuit of happiness. So, you know, but I agree with you entirely. You know. No, I would, I would amend what I said to totally agree with that because depending on where you are, whether you're an atheist or whether you're a person of faith, it doesn't matter because either on one argument, the way the uh, founding fathers wrote it, also in a number of other writings of Locke and people like that. So you could say our, our rights come from God. Or if you choose not to believe in God, you could say our rights come from our humanity. So who's going to argue with either one of those? You're in either one. You're Look, you're either an activist or an inactivist. Either way, you're involved. <laughs> yeah, participation will be mandatory. <laughs> well, what do you see like um, the challenges for people, like for getting in, for jumping in? What do you think holding back from from taking a hold of that responsibility? Like Sue raises cattle and chickens, and and, and he's doing chickens. Um, Emery's he's a he's a free roaming omnivore, you know. Um, That's true, but know. we also have chickens. He's, we also have chickens. That's right. Well, yeah, you do have chickens. That's right. So, so everybody's everybody's moving that way a little bit. Um, and I want to do more permaculture in our place. Uh, well, actual permaculture. I do a lot of stuff with the natural things that are there, but we don't. And we have a garden, but we don't have permaculture per se. But I'd like to get you down to my place and do a do an evaluation there. But what do you, you, what know you what, see Chris? is like the obstacles that people say, "Oh, I can't because you know," and how they could get past that to get into it. I, I missed part of it. You're you're you broke up on my end, so I wasn't quite sure what you were asking there, Chris. Or just you know, when people say I can't get it, I can't do this because like those oh those low hurdles that are there that, that are people are using is is kind of the excuse. What's the easy way to get over it? And I know in a lot of places there's zoning laws where you can't grow gardens and you can't do these things, but especially in tactical permaculture, those seem like the perfect environments for tactical food oh. forests and things of that nature. So so how would you suggest that they, they get over these hurdles and get into it? Sure. So right off the bat, I will say that when I first, you know, um, I guess I need, to, I need to come at this a little bit differently because I wasn't always the, the man I am now. It was something I'm sure not one of you gentlemen here would say you were the guy maybe even five years ago. Um, I, I dare say you would not even be in this chat right now if you weren't. 
So for me, the demarcation point happened when the great Joel Salatin, who just happens to be a friend of mine and a hero also, I remember years ago listening to him speak, and I was there listening, not necessarily as a farmer or permaculture designer. It was just I admired his politics at the time because he was something of a an agorist, which is about where I come down on things. And um, I remember he said something that for me was paradigm changing, and it might answer your question to a certain extent. And he said, look, for all you people that are on the fence wondering whether or not you can do this, let me just say this. You heard all your life that it's worth, if it's worth doing, then it's worth doing right. He says, okay, I want you to think about it differently. If it's worth doing, then it's worth doing poorly at first. That right there gave me license to fail. And in accordance with uh, Teddy Roosevelt, what he said in his um, Man in the Arena speech, not only am I going to fail, when I heard that, I'm like, it was like a light came down from the sky and it was like, oh, shoot. There's so many things I didn't do in my life because I was too afraid to fail. Now I've just been given license to fail and fail while daring greatly, like Teddy Roosevelt said. That's how I'm going to fail. So I'm going to fail miserably. I'm going to fail often, and I'm going to fail until I get it right. So for all the people out there that are thinking, okay, well, what gets me, you know, how can I get started? Or, gee, yeah, you're going to kill some things, okay? Sometimes they might have heartbeats. That's just the nature of this game. Everything's got to die for something else to eat. And I don't even, even you, um, these whack job vegans out there, your food eats food for crying out loud. I mean, no matter where you are in that spectrum, everything eats something else. You don't doubt me? Like T was talking about, we do a lot. I look at a lot of soil under microscopes these days. Okay. Go in there and see what's happening. Even at the microbial level, every, something's getting Kentucky fried all the time, day and night. That's just how it works. That is the nature of where we are. So all these people that live in these places, let's say, okay, first of all, you find yourself in an HOA. And they're going to tell you, okay, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. So let's say some of these people live in an HOA. Well, go right back to that tactical permaculture. Depending on the nature of the HOA, first of all, you need to get on the first thing smoking out of an HOA if you can. But let's just say you're stuck there. And they're telling you, like I've heard before, oh, we can't have chickens. The lady says, well, what do you... What am I supposed to tell these people? I can't have chickens. I said, well, okay, look at the world you live in. Tell them your chickens identify as dogs. You're allowed to have dogs in that neighborhood, right? Tell them your chickens identify as dogs. Tell them your, your sheep identify hey, as dogs. got chicken for a walk around the block on a leash. There you go. I mean, these, if they can sit here and tell put, me put some service on all of them. Well, every, I mean, here's where we got to use that jiu-jitsu, y'all. We got to use their, their their stuff in reverse. If they can sit here and tell me that this trans testicle is a man or a woman or a transsexual, what I say, testicle, whatever. Nice if they difference. can, say, yeah. So if this trans, we'll just make that a new word. So if this, I'm trying to steal that. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Sue, you're a trans testicle. Look, they're all making notes. Look at them. They're all right. That's almost as good as old Rush Limbaugh's that addicted to me, man. That's fantastic. That's going to be a new hashtag. If I got to see, I have I have great nipples. And plummeting, plummeting down. The ratings just. It was going so well. The show was going so well, and it's we're on. You see what you did? That's that was really. You got to be careful here, man. Hey, who knew, man? Some shiny out. We're all like, hey, we're all eighth graders at heart, man. We're a bunch of guys in here. You know, it's all going to happen. So, okay, so let's say, okay, so the trans <laughs> testicles, I'm supposed to believe this woman is a man or a man is a woman. Well, if we live in that world right now, how can you use it in your favor? Okay, in permaculture, we say the problem is the solution. So if you got a, let's, let's, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, okay, I got a grasshopper problem. Or you could say, I got a lack of turkey problem that are going to eat those grasshoppers, you dig? Or you could say, I got a multi-floor rose problem. Or you could say, I got a lack of sheep problem because they will eat that or a lack of goat problem. Same thing here. If they're telling me in this HOA, well, I can't grow this tree or I can't grow that tree. I mean, I know they can get pretty specific or I can't have this animal. I would tell them, I've been telling people now for a year, tell them that your animal identifies as a dog or a cat or whatever. And then seriously tell them that. Make them challenge you on it. 
if these lunatics can sit here and put these most absurd reasons and whatever into these kids' head, well, I'm going to use it in reverse. And I've been using it in reverse in so many different ways. And uh, I'm just going to encourage everybody else. Look, go out there, use this stuff. Don't become any trans testicles. But, I mean, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. Just on the, the, on the trans testicle note, guys. For the record. We're going we're 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 to take a quick go. break to run a couple of promos here. No, no, we're not. We're coming back. We're just going to take a break for our promos. Guys, don't, don't forget, um, hashtag permapastures. For your questions for Billy, we're going to get to those when we come out of this thing, um, your direct questions. Um, and remember, we on YouTube, you guys can do the super chat thing. You can get your name in pretty colors, and it'll get your question to the top of the list. So, yes, I know it's pandering, but that's what I'm doing. So we'll be right back after these quick little soothing notes from one of our favorite members here. Let's talk through door Droik. Now, I know you guys have seen this stuff in other places, but I actually ordered this. I they think. didn't give it to me. And I was a customer before I became an affiliate with them. This stuff's fantastic. First, it tastes really good. Brickhouse Fuel of Greens, and I really like the berry. This is actually my favorite, the berry flavor one. With this, you get to replace all the vitamins and minerals that are lost through the preservation process. So you want to find a way to supplement that. One scoop of, of Brickhouse Fuel of Greens is your daily serving of fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. The cool thing about the Brickhouse Fuel of Greens, like these, and they have other products too, but this will fit right in the rucksack. One scoop out of this mix in a glass of water is your daily serving of fruits and vegetables. These things are chock full of superfoods. And this is not a supplement. Brickhouse is food. Check out Brickhouse at the link below, guys. Buy some, give it a shot. I'm a fan. I wore, I use it. I think you guys could too. If you think solar panels are going to save this country, the government's blown sunshine up your butt. Haven't had enough yet? Stick around for the after show. Bolder, grittier, angrier. On the Rocks with Angry American and the gang is coming up next. first guy sucks i was gonna make fun of the second guy <laughs> sue how'd you how, who made you have such Go a ahead, sultry feel voice? free i mean lies what? who made you have such a sultry voice sue because i have a spine emory tell us about your back all right that, was, that wasn't very nice trans <laughs> <laughs> testicle okay <laughs> You know, when, when Sue yeah, and I have to travel, I have to, tell run, run, airport, run. I have to tell them at the airport that he identifies as my service dog, and then and then they let him through the line. Since we're talking about the leech on that way, <laughs> yeah, the problem is then he, I'm gonna throw some he, of these. <laughs> problem is then he takes it seriously, gets on the plane, and starts licking his own butt, and then we get kicked off. It's a whole story. <laughs> It's rough with TSA. I didn't think he was that limber. That's impressive. <laughs> he, he gets That's impressive. So Kim P, Kim P right here is a, a longtime uh, uh, supporter, is what I'm going to call her. She's awesome. She lives in Colorado. She's a great lady, and she's enjoyed hearing you. We've got a we've got a new face in the room tonight. It says, is stacking your functions right climate zone dependent? So in other words, doing it correctly, is that climate zone dependent? Mm-hmm. No, no matter where you are. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same thing. You're just going to use different plants in different places, different animals in different places, and different methods in different places. So I live in pretty rough terrain here in the mountains, but I'm also in a temperate food, in a temperate rainforest. So the methods that I would use in Texas at my place in Texas are 180 degrees different all the species, very few things. Well, comfrey is one of those things that does translate in both places. And there's a few other things, daffodils and a number of others. But by and large, yeah, you're, you're going to stack these functions no matter what. And that's where everybody in traditional farming misses the boat. That's really where they miss it. And that's where permaculture kind of picks up. And then geniuses like Joel Salatin, geniuses like Greg Judy, where they're excellent and there's a lot of other people out there that are really, really good at stacking functions. But you know what? Why can't we stack tactical functions in here, too? And that's why I'm so excited to be on with you guys, because I'm thinking, OK, well, what did they do in World War II in the Ardennes forest? You know, they made abatis, stuff like that, you know, where they could drop trees in such a way where if an enemy was coming at you, you could drop them in an X 
pattern facing the enemy. And then, of course, they booby trapped the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, along my driveway coming in there, well, there's a natural choke point. You got a hugel culture mound on one side, which you ain't driving over unless you got a tack, track vehicle, and you got a pond on the other. So you got a very narrow entrance. Okay, well, let's say you were to get past that entrance. Well, all those nitrogen-fixing trees, because we use a method called NAP, which stands for nitrogen-apple-pear, nitrogen-apple-pear. Those nitrogen fixers basically take the atmospheric nitrogen and they put it down in the soil for the benefit of our productive trees. Now, they can be eaten by animals, our farm animals, but very seldom are they eaten by us. Here's what's really cool about them, is that I can chop those trees off, take something like a black locust. Remember I said everything has to have three functions, okay? So that black locust is not only thorny, which is a pretty good virtue, but, hey, it produces uh, some serious heat in the fireplace when I need it. And here's number three, another great virtue, is that every time I coppice this tree off, meaning that I cut it down to a stump, it's going to come back even more robust. Every time I do that, it drops exudates Uh down into the soil for the benefit of all my productive trees. So let's say, worst case scenario, now I got a seriously functional food forest. It could also be tactical because I could put trees that people don't know that they could eat on the very outside of it, put the stuff where, you know, that, you know, pattern recognition would obviously people are going to recognize an apple tree. So I would obviously buffer that with a number of others. But let's say those trees that I can afford to lose, I could drop in a worst case scenario in the form of an abatee down an avenue of approach. So it can be functional. It can be tactical. And to my knowledge, nobody to, well, I know why is that most of the people, and I would love to be able to link up with you guys when it comes to doing more than an outline of this book, because this is where I really believe this can go. Nobody is, I've never even heard the term tactical permaculture, but I know that using some of the natural things that we use in permaculture could be used anywhere from a fighting position, not only, you know, for so many other things, but it could also be used in a tactical sense in that you could funnel people if you had to, you could drop it if you had to, you could easily lose it and not be gone forever. Now, granted, I'm not going to be dropping any apple trees in that, in an abatee formation, but I can easily do it with a black locust or a honey locust or any number of things that are so thorny that you're going to think twice about just, you're not just going to run right over it. So there's so much overlay. And that's why being on with you guys tonight, and I mean, this is kind of like the debut of me even talking about what I had here. I was talking to Bear Independent about what I intended to do with this, and he thought it was a great idea. I've spoken to a few others. But honestly, I really think this is a book that needs to be written. And I guess that maybe it, it, you know, it'll be my second book, but I'm going to consider it a magnum opus if I can get it done, But if we still have a country or, or dare say a planet at this rate. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's the scary part. Where can they get your first book right now? <clears throat> uh, you could go. I'm not going to mention the A word. So I'm going to say go to my website, <laughs> Permapastures Farm. Now that book is more designed permapasturesfarm.com. That book is more more designed for people that are wondering how to get into that space. It's actually an answer to the question you asked earlier, like, how do I go about doing this? How do I do it where we have high inflation? Well, a lot of this stuff, think about how much, okay, guys, how much inflation do you think I mitigate if I don't have to go to the grocery store? Or if the only things I need at the grocery store are toilet paper? Yeah, if all I have to buy at the grocery store is toilet paper and aluminum foil, which is pretty much it. <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm sitting in pretty good shape here. So that's a one way where the powers that shouldn't be have less hold over you. That's why you should do it. You should also do it because honestly, it makes you more free. That's exactly. And yes, I'm going to be at mountain readiness in May. If they'll have me, um, it was, it was a joy to be there the last time. And um, yeah. So if I should be able to, if well, I get invited, Billy, back, Billy, I hope, I hope you are because I've already put your face all over those flyers and I don't want to have to take all that back. <laughs> oh, well. in that case, <laughs> yeah. And we sent you that flyer. I said, Hey Billy, do you mind? Can you, can you commit to May? And he was like, yeah, for sure. For sure. And so he stuck you on that flyer. So please no. make, make sure you can make it. Hey, as long as you got that food truck, bro, I'll be on the first thing smoking. He, he's going to be there. <laughs> Gonna be there all weekend long. <laughs> Shane is not only is he a good chef, he's an experience unto himself. I'll say that. Definitely. Well, I mean, it's a and and I'm gonna check out. I've not I have not got your book yet, 
uh, Billy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get that book and check it out because I, I I myself I like to think of myself as that green thumb, but but the the reality is it, it kind of goes back if you go years back. I used to think I was uh, I knew something about physical fitness, and then 20 years later I just realized I was young. You know, same thing applies to uh, to to my gardening skills. Is uh, I thought I had some some uh, green thumb to me. Uh, and then I moved to North Carolina. And I realized it was just that I lived in Indiana where you can grow anything anywhere because it's the heartland, you know, so you've got uh, some of the best dirt there is around. And so now we're struggling with the uh, high acidity of the uh, the mountain regions here where we live uh, with all the red clay and the rock and stuff like that. So permaculture, I would say, is definitely where we need to go Um and uh, check your book out. Well, let, let me just let me put that on a different thing. Okay, so do you have a high acidity problem, or do you have a lack of blueberries problem? Because I'm going to say you get a lack of blueberries <laughs> problem. So <laughs> we just planted them. We just planted them this year. Uh, actually, after watching some of your shows. Yeah. See, here's also something else I would highly encourage people to consider too. And a lot of this, the book is really meant for people that are really considering this lifestyle, not necessarily old veterans like you guys that are already into it. It's more, you'd probably see this as a very rudimentary type thing. So it's really meant for the person that's coming like, gee, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. That's really what this book is for. It's really not meant for veterans. But here's another thing I think we're missing the boat on. Instead of going out there, now I think this is very important. Okay, instead of us going out there, oh yeah, I'm particularly proud of that shirt there, by the way. That was one of the uh, ones we were raising money for. Yeah, so that's how to put a pedophile in a in a wood chipper. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jason is supposed to be sending one of those to me. <laughs> I think we got a couple left. Yeah, we raised a lot of money for. Um, excuse me, we raise a lot of money for uh, Vets for Child Rescue on that. I probably shouldn't have mentioned that because every time I do, it seems like it gets somebody kicked off. But the um, here's, what I, here's what I would encourage everybody out there to consider start doing. We live in an annual society. Ever since World War II, actually a little bit before then, we'll say at the Industrial Revolution, we basically take a seed, we put it in the ground, we grow it up, and then if we're lucky, we'll keep the seeds from the new crop and go all over again. Why do that? Monoculture. Why not consider perennials, perennial solutions to annual problems? So instead of going out there planting yams every year, why not get climbing yams that produce every year without your intervention? Instead of growing, and this is what we're really working on right now, and this is part of that tactical permaculture, instead of having to go out there every single year and plant, let's say, tomatoes. Well, where I live here in the mountains of North Carolina all these hillbillies up here grow these things and they don't even try to grow them. They call them uh, Tommy toes. There's these little grape tomatoes. They taste great. They grow like weeds around here. So why not cultivate those? That's why it brings me right back to the passive food production in the form of your fruit trees. Think about it. Once you get it off and running, yeah, you look after it for a little while. And then later on, remember, we want systems that give more energy than what they require. That is the beauty of, of permaculture and particularly perennial systems where I get this tree off and running really doesn't require that much work. Just make sure you put everything in like I tell you, and then just look after it for a couple of years. And then after about year three, it's pretty much on its own. Now think about it. If you just have a marginal apple tree that's given dropping a bushel or two, that's not very good at all, but let's just say it's dropping a bushel or two. Think about this. So let's say it costs you 30 bucks to put in that, that apple, um, that apple tree. Okay. And it's first productive year alone, it paid for itself probably five times over. So now not only is it producing more in terms of energy, meaning you don't have to go plant the seed. You don't have to look out for weeds. You don't have to do any of this stuff. You're now reaping a harvest just by putting in what nature would put in anyway. So instead of being in this cycle where we're constantly, going out there, digging up the ground, putting in, as, do you see nature do it that way? No, I don't. But everything we need can be done from a perennial standpoint. And that's part of what I tend to put in this book is that we show people, Hey y'all, man, we really don't have to be tied on this system. There's so much we can do out there. It's so easy to do. 
You just got to follow nature, walk towards nature. She'll walk back to you. And that's exactly what we're trying to, that's exactly what we're doing or trying to do here. We've, we've got some more great questions here, but we're kind of up against the clock guys. Um, of course, for the patrons, we will be on, on rumble, uh, for the after show where we get a little looser on what we can say and things. Um, so, so definitely head over there if you're on Patreon, but don't forget to follow Billy and Permapastures farm and the, um, pimp cast pod show guys. The links are all down below and, and mash the, all the buttons for us. Cause it does help. I hate to be the guy to ask that because every YouTuber does it. It just seems, uh, annoying, but, uh, it does make a difference. Um, so Billy, we're going to, we're going to shut this one down here in a minute and head on over to, um, the, the after show. You got anything you want to leave them with? Stay alert, stay alive. Oh, there you go. There's a good one right there. That's it. Just ordered your book right there. Got one. Got, got oh, one. Got one. Another book sale right there. Emory, how are you coming back? How about you? You got anything you want to close out with, man? You know, Maybe. I don't know. I I uh I want I want to send some messages out to people and we'll we'll maybe do that in the after show about what's going on. But uh I've been I've been gone for a minute. Yeah, definitely we'll do that in the after show. And, um and yeah, I I I my one message, which is usually my message, but now it's coming from a bit of a different place is uh, you know, let's let's be good to the people next to us cuz uh one of these days they might be the uh they might be the people we depend on. Yeah. Uh, we, we all, everybody here and Billy, I, you know, I only met you today, but I'm sure you're the exact same way. We have our, we have our families, we have our teams. Um, and when I say family, I'm talking about family by choice and we all need to have family by choice around us. Um, and that's, that's it. Cause we're in tough times. And that's why I love when we have people like Billy on because, you know, we spend all our time teaching people, right? That's what we do. And, uh, we teach the, the skills that we have a lot of people that I've spoken to that are into prepping and all that stuff. Right. Oh yeah. You know, I got this gun. I got this night vision. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How are you going to stay alive? Right. So, so yeah, Billy, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And that's really, really awesome. What you do really awesome shit. Thank that's you. it. I'll shut up. All right. T how about you, man? I'm just glad to, the, to talk with you again, Billy. Looking forward to uh, us getting together again. Um, much respect, man. Much respect for, you know, people don't really realize, you know, you see about all these uh, books, classes. Um, you know, I, I, I get it. I even get it with doing this mountain readiness thing. They're like, I can't believe you're charging $200 for that class. You know, I can't believe you're going to charge that much to teach us you know, what took you 30 years of investment and time, you know, of your life, how much is your life worth? You know, how much is your family's life worth? Is it, it to me, it's priceless. So knowledge, the knowledge that you guys, and that's all of you guys, Chris, Sue, Embry, uh, Billy, uh, that knowledge you guys possess, you've invested your lifetime into it. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, and I appreciate each and every one of you for for the the time spent uh, learning these this valuable knowledge that that unfortunately is is becoming a life or death thing. The further we get into this world, indeed it is. All right, voiceover man, Big Sue. What do you okay. got, bro? Yeah, I'll keep I'll, I'll keep it short. We're we're running over, so uh, yeah. If uh, if uh, you're you're getting old like me and you can't find your keys and can't find your cell phone half the time, you need to give up snake hunting. You're gonna get bit. Okay, that just that's my last piece of advice. <laughs> before, before <laughs> and on that jam of knowledge, right? Stage advice. It is stage advice. Uh, we'll catch you guys in the after show. You guys know the deal. Be good. Be good at it. We will have Matthew Tate on next week. Do any of y'all know Matthew? Any three of you? Say no by the blank stairs. You guys are going to love him. He's a good friend of mine. and he's, he's fantastic. He did a great show on Netflix called Snowflake Mountain. Go check out a couple episodes of that. It'll have you in tears. So, Billy, thanks for being on the show, man. And, um, Simply by the show of participation in the comments tonight, we're definitely going to have to have you back on again, bro. 
for sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a joy to be here. Let's go have some fun on the after show. We'll catch you guys next week. Be good or be good at it. The amendment says freedom of speech. And on to the after show. It doesn't say unless it hurts somebody's feelings. Haven't had enough yet? Stick around for the after show. Bolder, grittier, angrier. On the Rocks with Angry American and the Gang is coming up next.